Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Children's Church, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, as we continue our series entitled, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray. This morning, we're going to be looking at verse 12. After today, we have two weeks left in our series. It's a seven-week series. Uh, after today, we'll have two weeks left. Today, we look at verse 12 and reads, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, I want to review kind of the first four weeks really quickly and just a few short phrases. The first week we looked at access and how we have access to the eternal king, the creator of all the world. We have access to him in that phrase, when you pray. The second week we looked at the intimate relationship with the king of the universe, our father. Even though he's the king of the whole universe, we have the wonderful privilege of having that that intimate relationship with him. The third week we looked at having perspective, asking the Lord for perspective and having submission to be able to say your kingdom come, your will be done. Last week we looked at the, the, the need that we have, the fact that we are all physically and spiritually beggars that we need daily bread. If you missed a sermon in the series there, you can go back to our website and listen to it there, or you can go on our YouTube um, and, and go to West Hill Media on there and you can catch up. This morning, uh, we want to talk about forgiveness. And I'd like to say it's really easy, but this is a difficult thing, isn't it? Well, let's start off with this. We all make mistakes, right? I don't think there's a person who is in this room who has not made at least one mistake. A lot of you know um, Cliff and Allie Reynolds. Uh, Allison is Lisa's sister, and uh, she looks a lot like Lisa. Um, when Cliff and Allie uh, were first married, we were at um, uh, Lisa and Allie's grandmother's up in Erie, and we had gathered for the holidays, and, uh, and the girls were working in the kitchen. And as they were, um, Cliff and Allie were there. They had just been married and were celebrating this new relationship. And Cliff was there with, uh, at Grandma's for, I think, for the first time and, and just enjoying that time. And uh, lo and behold, through a series of unfortunate events, um, uh, the girls were both in the kitchen, but Lisa's or, or Allie stepped out. And when Allie stepped out, Cliff didn't realize uh, that sh she had stepped out. She thought Lisa, uh, she thought Allie was Lisa. And so he gave her a nice little uh, pat in the behind. And uh, Lisa turns around and, and Cliff she said Cliff was just white as a ghost and was just absolutely mortified. Um, and, and he came and he's like, Aaron, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, 
listen, it's okay, it's not a problem. I thought it was quite humorous. It was great until a year later, we're at grandma's again. And I'm in the kitchen cooking breakfast uh, for the whole gang because that's kind of what I did up at grandma's. And uh, again, Lisa and Allie are in the kitchen too. They're getting their coffee, all that. Um, Lisa steps out and I'm not paying close attention. See the red hair and you know what I do. Good morning, babe. And Allie turns around and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is bad. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. There is not one of us that's perfect. And that gets into this whole aspect of forgiveness. I want to pray if you would, would you stand with me and let's, um, let's pray the Lord's Prayer um, together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. There's really two points today that I want to go over with us as we think about this aspect of forgiveness and asking and praying this, this phrase to our Father who's in heaven to, to ask him to forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The first point is this. This shows us that we all have debt. We all have debt. Um, in, in Luke's passage, where in Luke 11, um, where it's recorded, Luke records for us the Lord's Prayer there, it uses this word sin instead of debt. And we'll talk a little bit um, here. There's different translations according to different times. Not necessarily the translations, but when you go to different churches, you'll hear the Lord's Prayer using different words. And so I did a little history lesson and did some studying. And it's interesting because each um, kind of a generation or a section of time, a period of time, where they would translate this, uh, this term that we have here as debts, some would translate it as sin. Some would translate it as trans, uh, a trespass. And others would translate it as transgression. So maybe you've said the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've memorized it before. And, and in it, it was, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Um, that is really uh, something that the Catholic Church has used that term a lot. And you can do your study and you can do your research on why that is. Uh, it is very, very interesting as different times, different cultures wanted to make sure that they had covered um, that period of time, what was going on in their lives. 
And so some of that had to do with, with a, and we'll talk about this in a minute, in a very physical way, in a monetary way. Another way was when you trespass, again, that's meaning you're, you're violating something. You've gone on, like if you're trespassing on somebody's property, you violated that boundary. You've, you've, you've gone on to that. Um, again, the debt is a financial term here, and it's best translated from the Greek here into that term debt. It's a financial term, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit here. So, back to our point. We all have debt, which means we all need God's forgiveness. You need God's forgiveness. You may not want to admit it. You may not like it. Or maybe you're sitting there saying, Yes, inside you're just like, yes, I need God's forgiveness. Just like Cliff wanted mine and I desperately needed his. We need God's forgiveness. Which begs us to ask this question. How do we view our sin? And let me ask it this way. Not how do you view other people's sin. How do you view your sin? I think that's a problem that a lot of people struggle with today on both ends of the spectrum. Some would say, I don't have any sin or I try to do my best and I'm a lot better than so-and-so or so-and-so. And then there's other people who are so entrenched and overridden with guilt. That they're weighted down. It is true that we have a holy God and that you and I are imperfect, but that is the beauty of grace. That's why we sing songs like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wrench like me. What do we need saved from? Our debt, because we're indebted to God because we, we are imperfect people. So we need to acknowledge that we, you and I, we still fall short. Even after we accept Christ as our Savior and we ask him to forgive us of our sin, to come into our life and to be our Lord and Savior so that we can spend eternity with him, the reality is we don't stop sinning. We should sin less. We shouldn't continue to sin that grace may abound, as Paul writes, right? Right? But the fact is, is we need to acknowledge that we still fall short and we still need God's forgiveness day after day after day. And so in pleading, coming to our father, Jesus wants us to, us to see that we need the continual forgiveness of our debt. Asking. Can I ask you, have you ever gone up to somebody and asked for their forgiveness? I'm sure you have. If you haven't, come talk with me because I'd like to see, hear how you did it, like how you've avoided it. I'm just curious. Sometimes it's easy to ask for forgiveness, right? Other times it's very, very difficult. Depending on maybe how you view your wrongdoing. Well, the fact is that we can often view God in his holiness and his perfection is this far and distant king 
who has great authority, who has great power, and who, who is going to overwhelm us with that power and authority, who is just waiting to set us straight and to get us right. Almost like a God who would strike us with lightning if we say something wrong or bad. Or some people have said to me, oh, Pastor Aaron, I could never walk into your church because lightning would strike there. That's a view of God in such a way that he looks to punish those who have debt, who are indebted to him. When we think about coming to God and needing his forgiveness, we need to see God as who he really is. Yes, he is powerful, and yes, he is holy, and yes, he is righteous. But the blessedness of not only his grace, but his grace allows us to see the fullness of what Jesus has done for us. The fact that Jesus paid our penalty. He paid it incomplete. He paid all of it. Jesus took the full wrath of God upon himself. And so you and I, as children of God, we don't ever ever experience God's wrath. We experience his discipline. Why? Because he loves us. But think about that for a second. You and I don't ever have to experience God's wrath because Jesus took it all. We can see the effects of his wrath on others. We can sometimes feel the effects of that wrath being poured out on others. But we, as his children, will never have to experience his wrath. I know we are not an amening congregation, but I believe that calls for an amen. When we really see who God is and who I am, why is it so hard for me then to come to God and to ask for his forgiveness? It begs the question, when you mess up and when you make a mistake, are you quick to run to God or are you quick to turn your back and to hide in shame, in fear? We have a heavenly father who loves us and who desperately desires for us to continue in our relationship with him, to know him more and for him to know us. God seeks and wants to forgive you. Maybe it's you who are holding yourself up and delaying the forgiveness that Jesus desires for you. I want to read to you a passage from Luke. These passages I chose not to put up on the screen because I just would like for you to listen. So please, if you would, as Jesus told those in his crowd that would follow him, those who have ears, let them hear. Listen. Luke 7, and I'll read verses 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner 
when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had arrived or who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus answering him said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with, with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I've grown up in the church. Um, I've shared part of my testimony with, with a lot of you in the past. I haven't had a huge falling away. Have I sinned? Yes, definitely. Are there things I regret? Yes. I have skeletons in my closet. Yes. Do you? I'm sure you do. We all do. I think sometimes those of us who have grown up in the church would be classified like this Pharisee. And why is that? Because we see our sins as little. The fact is, is my sin is great. And so is yours. And when our sin is great, what helps us is when we see the Savior, our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus, and his willingness to forgive us, then that increases our love. It motivates us to continually to keep coming back, not to give us a license to continue to sin. It doesn't give us a freedom to say, okay, I know Jesus has forgiven me so I can go do whatever I want. No, it's a view of all of eternity of a perfect, awesome God who views me and loves me so much that he would forgive me of this. So why would I want to go and rebel against him and choose to go against his very good things. Well, we choose to at times because we're selfish and we're proudful because we're arrogant. And sometimes just like sheep, we don't think, we just do. Which goes back to this point. We all have debt. Thus, we all need God's forgiveness.
Don't view your sin as minuscule. The second point is this. We all have debts and we need one another's forgiveness. So how do I view one another's sin? Luke 6, I'm going to read to you a few verses from Luke 6, 37 through 42. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed out, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. And he told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Stop real quick. Down at Skyview, it was the funniest thing in the world. They were in these groups and and, and one time they blindfolded um, and they were paired up. And so one person was supposed to lead the other person who was blindfolded. And I will never forget this. This boy, and I, I don't think he did it on purpose. At least I don't think he admitted to being doing it on purpose. He let his partner, right arm in arm, right into a tree. I've never forgotten that. And I thought, you know what? He wasn't blindfolded, but he was blind. So can a blind lead a blind? The answer is, you can talk. No. Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. When we come to this aspect of forgiving others, we tend to have a critical spirit. I'm there with you. I'm not here casting stones or judgment upon you. I'm here to be real and to say, you know what, I struggle with this too. I have and will continue. And that's why if you stop to think about it, why would Jesus include this in our prayer? To teach us so that we may learn how to pray. It's because we wrestle with this every day. And if you don't right now, praise God for it. Look out, there may be a log though. We need for the removal of our debt. And sometimes we need somebody outside of us to help us to see that. Sometimes that's God, and sometimes that's one of his family members. I love what this commentary, it's called Commentary Critical and Explanatory of the Whole Bible. It's by JFB. These men say this, God sees his own image reflected in his forgiving children. Think about that. God sees his own image reflected in his forgiving children. But to ask God for what we ourselves refuse 
to do is an insult to him. The procedure in this matter of forgiveness will be exactly what is our own. Throughout the scriptures, we see and read about how critical it is that we forgive other people. There's another Matthew, or another passage in Matthew. I love how I combined words there, Matthew. Which again begs me to question: Why am I a pastor, getting up and speaking in front of people? Allie and Matt, you guys did a great job last week. Casey and Amanda, awesome job sharing your testimonies. You guys, I know you were all a little frightened about getting up and speaking in front of people. Now you know how I feel each week, especially when I say, Matthew. Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35. Peter came up and said to him, verse 21, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When they began to settle one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. I did a little study years ago, back in 2015, that was over $3 billion that this man owed. $3 billion, just to put in perspective. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payments will be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Same term that we see in our prayer. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, $50. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. If we're honest, we're all like that wicked servant at times. We can be like that. We have been like that. And God forbid that we be like that. That God, the God of the universe, the God who created you, the God who placed you here on this earth was willing to forgive you of all of your sin and the debt that you owed. And yet for, for some of us to not offer forgiveness to somebody who has done us wrong 
is like a slap in the face to our Lord and Savior. Matthew 6, verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. At the end of this prayer, it's interesting that Jesus gives us a little side note, a little cliff note. He prays this prayer, but he's going to come back and mention one thing about this prayer. Notice it with me. If you have your text still open to Matthew 6, look at it with me. When Jesus is done praying this prayer, teaching them to pray, this is how you should pray, he's going to make a little note. This is his note, and it's in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It is so critical and important that we understand what it means for us to not only to have the forgiveness of God, but also that we forgive others, that Jesus makes a point to come back to this at the end of his prayer. I find that very critical and very important. Some will read this, and they read this as uh, um, uh, the term of meaning to, I have to do this in order to do this. Meaning, in order for me to have God's forgiveness, I must be willing to forgive others. That's not what Jesus is saying. Because if that were true, then we must cross off all the rest of the scriptures. Because the scriptures tell us it is by faith alone. It's by believing and thou shalt be saved. Not by works, but forgiving is a work. So what is Jesus talking about here? It's what I mentioned earlier that JFB said. It's the procedure in this matter of forgiveness. Jesus is saying, listen, if you understand in completeness the fullness of what Jesus has done for you, the forgiveness that he's granted to you, you will forgive others. If you don't forgive others, maybe you don't fully understand the forgiveness of your father. To forgive, it's a term that means to send away, to dismiss, to wipe off. In this legal term of debt, the legal term is to pardon. If somebody is pardoned, which, by the way, I was pardoned once. I'm sad to say, yes, here's another mistake of Pastor Aaron. My wife loves telling this story. I should let her tell it. It was when we were driving through Columbus and the great city of Dublin and all of their construction work. And yes, I was driving way too fast. And yes, I got pulled over. It was a sin. I had a debt. The officer told me that my debt could be paid 
if I did something. I'm like, tell me what it is. He said, if you go and take this class, I'm like, I'll take a class. So I did this wonderful class that taught me all the responsibilities, reminded me of the responsibilities that I have as a driver. It was wonderful, enlightening, touching. I did it. Got a great certificate. Lisa and I drove down to that great courthouse, and as we sat there, it was not what we expected. Of course, I was the last one called up that day. So before us were many other people who had done wrong. Some in handcuffs and looked pretty scary. Here I was, just a traffic violation. But I was there. Why? Because I knew I had a debt. And I knew there was a way to get out. And I needed that way. And so that day, as I came before the judge, presented my certificate, I don't even remember what I said. I was scared. Why? Why do we get scared before going before a judge? Because we know they have something, especially when we've done wrong, we know they have something over us. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 130 those who are seeking forgiveness fear because the judge knows what we did wrong. But it was awesome. I said, we'll wipe that off your record. I was pardoned. That ticket never happened. You know about it because I just told you. But it's not on my record. Isn't that wonderful to think about? I mean, not just for my ticket and not getting the points on my license, but think about that for our lives. That's what Jesus' blood has done for us. Our sins and our debt have been pardoned. They're no longer on our record. So if we've been set free, why would we hold other people in bondage? To forgive means to send away, to dismiss, to wipe off, to pardon. Now, let me be real here. It's all great to say that, isn't it? It's hard to do, isn't it? I feel like I'm middle-aged now. I'm not young, but I'm not old yet. Not well-seasoned. Some of you are well-seasoned. Keep it up. Some of you are young bucks keep it up. Through my life, though, there have been times where I have been wronged, and there have been times where I have wronged other people. The times where justice hasn't come through, where I feel that somebody wasn't called on the carpet and held to the standard that I felt they should have been because of the wrong that they did, was hurtful. A lot of it was because nobody else knew or very few people knew. Maybe that's you. Some of the touching and the most compassionate people in the world are those who can forgive when something heinous and awful happens to their children. I've often played that through my mind. What would I do? 
I don't play that through my mind too much anymore because I know the grace of God gives me what I need on the day that I need it. And that hasn't happened, which means I don't need it. Today, though, God has given you new mercy. His mercy is new every morning, and he has given you today's mercy to handle today's events. And he's given you today's grace for today. And he is giving you the opportunity to forgive. Forgiveness is a process, I believe. But it starts with a declaration. There was a period of time where I wasn't ready to forgive somebody. I wouldn't participate in communion during those couple months. You say, well, when was that? Don't try to figure it out. Just listen. Because I knew before God I couldn't do that. But I wasn't ready to forgive. And it wasn't until I heard a sermon where I realized that forgiveness is a process as we work through in our humanness. But it comes with a declaration that starts it where it says, yes, I have forgiven you. But it also is, I am forgiving and I have forgiven. And it was that point where I know where I could take communion and know in my heart that that weight was not held over me anymore. It was freedom. God gave the Jews an aspect to walk through this area of debt. We often don't think about it. We don't, and especially in our North American culture, but it is scriptural. Deuteronomy 15 Verses 1 through 11, Jesus told the Jews, his chosen people, that he set apart to show the rest of the world how awesome he is. He gave them what is called the biblical seventh year laws. Smitta. And it has to do with debt and land. And actually coming up this year, September 7th, 2021, uh, when Rosh Hashanah starts, the Jewish people have an opportunity to fulfill what God has given them. And that is on the seventh year, every seventh year, any debt that was held amongst the brothers, amongst the the people of Israel, the Jews, they were to forgive that debt. They were to also let the land be free. So the farmers are not to work their field. They're not to plant. They're not to harvest. And so Shemitah goes from September 7th, 2021 to September 25th, 2022. To be free of the debt. I think it's a wonderful picture for us. Because it causes a reliance on one another. 
if you go and do a little study, research, you'll find what's going to happen to the farmers who don't work the land for a year. How do they pay their bills? How are they taken care of? That's where the nation, the people, rally around one another and they care for one another. There's a lot to be said about different aspects and I wouldn't call them politics and I'm not here talking about politics. But when we look at our world and the brokenness of our world, it would be good for us to go back to the word of God and understand how God views some of these things. Like refugees. I won't go any farther on that. Let me just tell you, I believe that God's word clearly shows us, not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, the importance of forgiveness and the importance of dealing with our debt to one another. There have been times where I have gathered my whole family and I've sat them on the couch where I asked for their forgiveness. It wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. And for weeks, for weeks it was talked about. Not in a purposefully hard, demeaning way. It's what kids do. Because it's real to them. So maybe you need to seek the forgiveness of somebody. Maybe you need to step out and you need to ask somebody to forgive you. Maybe they don't have a clue. Maybe they do. Maybe you need to forgive someone else. The reality is this prayer, this aspect and phrase of the Lord's prayer is so critical to the way we live our lives. It reflects our relationship with God. To be able to forgive and to be able to seek forgiveness shows our true relationship with God. Let's ask him now, if you would, with me. For help. Lord, we need your help that our life would reflect what you have, what you are, and what you will do for me. You have forgiven. You are forgiving, and you will forgive. Lord, it is not a matter of my deeds and making sure my deeds come first. My deeds cannot save me. There is nothing to boast about in our works. So help us to understand and to comprehend this area of forgiveness shows a reflection of who you are. 
just as the Jews were to reflect this in their relationships, in their financial terms, in the indebtedness to one another, in the land and how you would provide and how you would be gracious and merciful. Lord, may we see you as that God. The one who is quick to forgive. The one who is desiring that all would come to you. You already know it all, Lord. You know all of our lives. So why should we pray? Forgive us our debts. Because it helps us to realize how awesome you are. How amazing your love is. And how we have the wonderful privilege of living that way so others can see you in us. Lord, help our relationship be true and real. And may that motivate us to seek and to grant forgiveness from others. This is a real struggle, Lord, we have. It's nothing new under the sun. And yet, Lord, may we see great victory in our family here at West Hill. May you grant us your mercy and your grace in order to seek and grant forgiveness. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our home, there is um, a verse that is on our wall. It's Ephesians 4.32. It's a beam that runs over our living room. And this is what that verse says. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgives you. God has forgiven us. What a glorious thing. Lord, help us to forgive others.